0: Welcome to New Moon Movie Night, a Moon Synced Movie Review Show, hosted by Syra and Neve.
1: I'm Syra. And I'm Neve. (laughs) Well,
2: first segment is. Moon
1: nerd! Moon
0: nerd! And now, welcome Neve with the first segment.
1: So, we got a new moon in Gemini, and Gemini controls the realms of the throat and communication. And this is a really exciting moon. I mean, I'm always excited about the moons. I'm going to say it every single time. But this is an exciting moon because we have survived the very intense tumultuous period in between the last new moon in Scorpio that was in November and the full moon in Scorpio that just happened. Now we are entering a moment of clarity where we have the ability, despite the extra long Mercury and retrograde to say what we need to say and communicate clearly and lovingly and in our own truths. And this is also the dancing moon um and i've been doing uh i tried to do some research about dancing moons i ended up just finding a lot of articles about choreomania um choreomania choreomania we might both have it it is <laughs> it is a uh semi medieval condition um like if you've heard of the dancing plagues absolutely yeah so it was and has been documented not that many times, but a few times throughout written history um, that a group of people just started dancing and could not stop. Um, and I relate to that in some ways. Um, but the idea is that, like, some people thought it was a medical thing, some people thought it was the devil. Um, in general, it spawned all of these different. Fairy tales, also, so like the Red Shoes by Hans Christian Andersen. The idea of like a sinful pair of shoes that would cause you to scandalize your church and then be punished by dancing until you die. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just thinking about choreomania and dancing by the light of the moon. And uh, our movie this month is Don't Look Up. And I think that at the end of the world or the end of the world as we know it, we should all probably be dancing because it is the best way to let all of the gods know that we are enjoying life and maybe would like the earth to continue for for a little while. For Impossible. at least a bit longer. Yeah. Can we just have one more song? <laughs> <laughs> or a few more songs. So say what you need to say, celebrate the dancing moon in Gemini and speak your truth and be kind and have
0: fun. From here on, there will be spoilers for the movie. Don't look up. And now here's Syra. Welcome back. New moon movie night. You picked
2: this movie, so I sure Ooh. did. What are you bringing, and what did you pick?
1: Ah, um. Okay. Hi. Hello. Um. I never picked the film. Don't look up. It is a multiple award nominee. Um. Very very recent film. Um. And what I am bringing, as in why I picked this movie. Uh, When it came out, when I discovered that it had Jennifer Lawrence in it and then also Timothy Chalamet, I was like, okay, no problem. I'm about to watch this 10 times. And I can tell you that to this day, I have, including the watch for this episode, I have watched it 12 times. Okay. (laughs) So what I am bringing is... um, a significant amount of just general enjoyment i have a lot of mixed like actual opinions and feelings about this film but in terms of like just enjoying it as a movie i am like i'm all there like i loved it and i loved it each time and i've loved it each time i watched it and so that's an interesting feature of this movie considering that I don't think that it's a perfect film and I do not give away praise around movies very easily. Um, But this one like it tickled a lot of spots for me. I have a lot of strong critiques. Um, I also went into it like having an interest in science and math and astronomy. So it tickles a lot of like science nerd parts of myself. Um, And I just love thinking about space. So. And Timothy Chalamet, so I just, yeah, I, I I went into it with love and an eagerness to watch it for a twelfth time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Syra, I'm so interested since I picked this film, and you were like, "Yep, haven't seen that yet," but I am very interested in what you are bringing and what you brought into your first watch. Whew, okay, I
2: brought. A light awareness that there were extreme mixed views. Like I had you, a beloved friend I watch much media with, uh, telling me how much you loved it. I had another friend, how much they were hating it. (laughs) I was, you know, I digest a lot of nerd content, like a lot, a lot of it um shout out to the Ringerverse, especially uh but so i'm hearing lots of people discussing it and bringing it up i just sometimes when there's a lot of discussion i just kind of go meh um, and i don't get into it for whatever reason so this movie i understand that was like that for me um and so when you suggested it i was like great here's a reason to watch it i might have just not so yeah, I was bringing an awareness of the cast, of a lot of the reviews, of a lot of the discourse around it. Um, but Smell, it was one of those times where people were not wanting to spoil it, and and I wasn't seeking out spoilers, so I also didn't really know much about what was actually happening in the movie, hmm. um, or or the tone of it. Like, people were kind of being vague when they talked about it, so... Yeah, I went in fairly uninformed. Um, I knew Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. Uh, wow, I couldn't stand him. Oh my god! And then uh, <laughs> I knew that Timmy Chalamet was in it because I knew you were excited about that. Timmy, we can get into it when, after after you summarize more.
1: Oof! Oh, that's so interesting because I I am curious though, like what people were able to say if they weren't yeah. willing to spoil it. It would be
2: like. A discussion of whether or not they agreed with the tone, or they hmm. agreed with uh, whether or not they liked it in kind of broader terms. Hmm. Um, whether or not they enjoyed certain casting aspects, or like, like I heard people acknowledge that Leonardo DiCaprio was doing a weird voice
1: <laughs> that was like
2: maybe not necessary.
1: <laughs> I think it's a movie that resists a lot of those assignments. Like trying to characterize it around whether or not you liked it or whether or not it was good or whether or not it had an appropriate tone. Like, I feel like all of those things don't work because I maybe like it more than I think it's a good movie.
2: I mean, you can still assign all of those things. just because the movie has like an answer to it in the text. Yeah. You know, that's an argument for maybe why it's. A little bit of a defensive film, like whether or not it's good <laughs> or bad, like the film itself is a little bit defensive of what it is. That's c- real. Because it's clearly trying to answer all these critiques that you could have of it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like compulsively self-reflexive. Yeah. In that it's like, this is this thing and this is a stereotype of the thing. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel that.
2: Like it's sets so hard that it has to like... <laughs> Also meta, because we, you know, meta comedy is like half of what is comedic to us nowadays of something referencing itself or something else in some way
1: or being self-aware. So not to mention that meta is now copyrighted Stop. by Mark Zuckerberg, which I think is very appropriate to this Nightmare film. shit. I mean, it is. though. Who is the villain of this movie, if not Peter Ishwell Yeah. Who is like an old Zuck or like a... Inverted goblin or like more goblin y Elon Musk. Yeah. Oof. Okay.
2: Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Because it sounds like it's about time for <sighs> that. Wait. I got to find a good alliteration for this film. <clears throat> the Skybound 60 Second Summary.
1: I love it. Okay. <laughs> I am very excited to do this one because this film does not have a lot of subplots. <laughs> So it's pretty it's it's easier than most, I think, to recap. <laughs> All right. Yeah. OK. One minute on the clock. Watch me need to do like seven takes, though. Go. Don't look up. OK, so Jennifer Lawrence plays an astronomy Ph.D. student and she discovers a comet her professor, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, Randall Mindy, he is checking out the time that it's going to be from Earth. And he does some math and they discover together that it's coming to impact Earth very, very soon. What happened?
2: Yeah, start started over. I set it for an hour somehow. <laughs> All right. Ready? Mm.
1: Uh-huh. Kate DiBiasky, played by Jennifer Lawrence, is an astronomy PhD student at Michigan State. She discovers a comet that hasn't passed by Earth in like 500 billion years. Her professor, Randall Mindy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is all like, hmm, if we measure the ephemeris, we can find out how far away it is from Earth. For some reason, it keeps decreasing. It's hurtling towards Earth. They get hooked up with the head of planetary defense at NASA. Dr. Oglethorpe, and he is played by, I didn't get his name, but we're going to go back to it. Anyway, Dr. Oglethorpe, Thorpe, Oglethorpe says, yo, I believe you. Let's go solve this problem. They run into Meryl Streep, the president. She's all like, I don't care. No, I'm definitely going to have to do another one. I love <laughs> and- it. And I'm letting go of the rest <laughs> of my time because I was nowhere near where I wanted to be. All
2: right. Ready? Cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yo. Dibiaski, she is an astronomy PhD student. She discovers a comet that is hurtling towards Earth. Her and her professor of astronomy, um, Dr. Mindy, are all like, we got to tell someone so that they can stop this from happening. They get in touch with Dr. Thorpe of the Planetary Defense Coalition or something. And they all go to the president of the United States and are like, "Hey, listen, we have to fix this problem." At first, she's like, "I don't care. Where are my cigarettes?" And then later she's like, "Actually, I do care." Then they form a situation where they can knock the comet off course, but that doesn't work because they decide to turn around and profit off the comet. Then Another effort is made. It doesn't work. And the entire planet is destroyed. What do you think about that? You think I need to do it again? No, I think that, that, was, was, that was solid. That is the main plot. Yeah. There's, like I said, there's very few subplots. <laughs> I would say that the subplots just involve relationships between the yeah. characters. Yeah. Did you take notes? I did not because I've seen it twelve times, and I've had like different impressions that I mostly remember from all of those times, but I would love to hear things that you observed. And I no notes.
2: I took no notes. You took no
1: notes. I, I love no it., oh, this is gonna be even more fun. <laughs> very
2: off the cuff episode, yeah, yeah, I watched it last night for the first time. I do really love dark comedy and satire. And I just kept thinking about this film as, like, the clear, uh, like, child of Day After Tomorrow, Mm. which is, like, an early 2000s attempt at both being a high-budget, like, absurdly destructive action movie
1: mm-hmm.
2: about climate change right uh kaboom mm-hmm. which is like a gregoraki queer existential story oh shit about... i have seen that
1: one oh
2: shit yeah well we we maybe need to watch kaboom because I, I thought about kaboom. gregoraki great well i think kaboom is on hulu nice maybe um but yeah, it's like a queer existential angst story about family and magic and the apocalypse. Um, and then, of course, Idiocracy, hmm. which is that mid 2000s satire, in which like Terry Crews is the president. Et cetera, also, et haven't seen that. Oh, OK.
1: My God, I love all of the things <laughs> that you have to introduce to me. I love it <laughs> so much. yeah so
2: yeah like this movie just felt like it was clearly in a lineage with these films Mm -hmm. um and in some ways i thought it was like more effective than day after tomorrow Mm -hmm. um and some ways it was less enjoyable to me than idiocracy or kaboom um But I appreciated the dedication to the science Um, and some of the trivia. I was reading uh, Leo DiCaprio hung out with a like actual astronomer and like consultant to films for like months Mm. um, leading up to it to actually try and understand orbital
1: science. Right. I mean, the math looked... Not that I was looking at it for very long, but it, it looked like intentional math. Like, yeah. So I, I liked that aspect, too. That's yeah. Cool.
2: So I like the idea that, that that aspect, I couldn't fucking stand Jonah Hill. Oh, I shit. like don't enjoy him in general. Like, I'm I'm sure he might be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know him, but I don't know him. But <laughs> He's just very good at being so fucking, just like the worst. And to bring up a bit of, hold on, I need to bring up this bit of trivia, because it kind of underscores how some of the kind of satire of it all still didn't hit for me even though i knew it was very intelligent and very intentional yeah it's just like some of it still was just like huh that was supposed to be very funny (laughs) like the first time i laughed was like it was like 10 ish minutes in when you get the (laughs) reveal that jonah hill is a meryl streep's son Yes. Like she says something to him in the old Office and he goes, okay, mom. And I startled. I was like, oh, that's that was funny. But- and
1: also Meryl Streep is playing the President of the United States. Absolutely. And Jonah Hill is playing her, uh, like, chief of staff, but he is also her biological son. son. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so Jonah Hill had the idea for his character to carry a Birkin bag, which... Just very expensive handbag, and he thought it was absurd that the chief of staff would carry n- nuclear codes in a Birken bag, and I'm like, is it absurd or is that just where we're at?
1: It's kind of both. I mean, considering that Jonah Hill was in this and this is the end. Yeah. I kind of thought that this was like a cute sequel to this is the end because it's like (laughs) at the end of the movie. Spoiler. Obviously, we're talking about the movie. um, Jonah, like after the other end credits, there's like the end end. And then Jonah Hill reappears. The planet's been destroyed and he's the only one left alive. And he's like crawling out of a burning wait, there's building.
2: Wait, se- wait, 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 wait. Yes. There's a second at end credits. Yes. I thought the planet one was. Nope.
1: The- oh, no, there were still 10 oh. more minutes.
2: I am angry at Marvel. Do you understand? Like, I love Marvel. That shit raised me. But I'm upset at this norm they've created where every movie has three other goddamn parts <laughs> After it, where I feel like I have to miss a whole fucking second, third ending every time when I try to move on with my life. When I end a movie, I think I'm done. Oh my god, I'm irritated. All right. Oh
1: my god, that I finished really uh, made my night. Thank you. Um, that's so fucking funny. I I feel you. It's so weird because. As a younger person I always love To like stay and watch the credits Just to see like who played What and who did what Nowadays we live in a magical World in which you Can like google Yeah what happened who played Who who did what afterwards Whereas like IMDb is
2: plentiful.
1: Right. And when I was younger and didn't have like ready access to the internet, it was much more important at the end of a movie to actually like stay and watch the freaking credits. But I don't tend to do that now. But then I have been trained to do that by going to see such as Black Panther in theaters. And it's like everyone in the theater is kind of just not moving, even though the credits are happening. And I'm like, do we all somehow collectively know that something else is going to happen and we should just stay here? Yes. No, because that was that that felt like a cool kid club. I'm not going to lie.
2: As someone who was like going to the midnight showings of Marvel shit from the
1: beginning, we all knew you were like, don't leave. Mm hmm. And we were all in the back row on those reclining yeah. chairs, too. Yeah. That was tight. That was a fun movie yeah. trip. <laughs> I
2: I remember taking friends to, like, yeah, early Marvel movies and being like, they'd start to get up. I'm like, no, uh, there's more. There's more. <laughs> and, <then laughs> and so now I'm the motherfucker <laughs> like, wait, there is more?
1: I, I This isn't a Marvel film. <laughs> I watched this movie virtually with my mom. Um, As in, we were like, We synced up and then we were texting about it. My mom is not a heavy texter, so she would like not text me for like 20 minutes of the movie and then just like comment on something with one word. But towards the end when the credits were happening, I was like, wait, there's more. And she's like, "Okay," And then I was like, there's still more. And she was like, more after the Brontorock. More after the goddamn oh my god!
0: That made me laugh. That, <laughs> that was like me the laugh third too. time. I love that, that was, so much. It made me laugh. I did laugh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay.
2: Was, okay, so Whew. I didn't catch this, but one of the trivia things I read was that in the scene where uh, old turtle Uh, Zuck
0: is
2: (laughs) trying to insult Peter Isherwell. Thank you. Isherwell is trying to insult Mindy. Um, He says something to the effect of your death is so insignificant. You're going to die alone. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, He was wrong. Right. Correct. I thought that was really interesting. There was like one of the the only kind of proofs to me yeah. that the theme wasn't fully like this pro-capitalist nihilism, mm-hmm. which is what it feels like. Like this is the end. Right. It's kind of like not that fun for me because of, of apocalypse movies. It's this is kind of pro-capitalist nihilism. Absolutely. Um, Where I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> like... Whatever,
1: Um, nothing we do matters. I guess it's it's
2: great that you have money to party till the end. Like, cool. I liked watching Channing Tatum crawl around in a mask. That was the best part of the movie to me. Um, (laughs) Anyway,
1: I like the parts where I was like really afraid that I was going to see a demon. I definitely watched that movie. (laughs) Like, you felt that way? Yes, I definitely watched that movie very stoned. And like, (laughs) when they were like in. The like towards the end when multiple people had already died, but they were like still the like remaining crew of annoying dudes being like, we're going to survive. I think Emma Watson had already left. (laughs) And there was just this feeling of dread, like this like apocalypse demon was going to. I don't know. And I think the demon like swipes at one of them when they try to stick their head out yeah to see what's going on and so yeah i don't know how to describe it but it's like there's certain movies where i know that my memory of watching them is like fear and for whatever reason this is the end like i have a fear association yeah, with like that film the suspense that it all <laughs> yeah, got you yeah absolutely okay. i also really liked when when Jonah Hill was like possessed, like The Exorcist, and he that said, "That was funny." Your mother darn socks, and now when when he fully committed to doing
2: <laughs> yeah. that line, I did laugh. I did laugh.
1: Um, yeah, no, I think I knew
2: about the like monster cock demon thing at the end, and I that was a movie I avoided. I was just <laughs> like I'm good for a while, and I watched it eventually. <sighs> so Jonah Hill. Yeah, the Birkenbag thing didn't hit for me. I didn't even really notice. They it's just like rich people have expensive bags. <laughs> Great. Um and it was it was all kind of like Hollywood elites making fun of political elites very much so. So some of the I guess some of the subtleties of it I was like who's it like It's like a steel pot yelling at a cast iron kettle. Like, like, (laughs) we're not, you're not too different. Like,
1: that is very legit because I I feel like that reminds me of like a swath of movies that all kind of came out around like recession era times. And talk about people who are obsessed with recession era times. Adam Kay, the director of this film. Also did the big short and also produced um hustlers. So he has this interesting like obsession with America around the aughts in this changing time, this changing economy. He has some kind of fascination with capitalism and how it impacts people differently, right? And I find that interesting And admirable that he's like I want to Investigate that he's definitely Investigating it in a white man Way for sure But there are some Nuances that I feel like he's Interested in and brings to the fore That I appreciate for what He's doing right Um, Including the fact that like all of those Films Are critical of the billionaires Of the world yes right that has to be like the thing that ties them all together really yeah. is that it is almost inherently unethical to hoard wealth and to have all of your focus be on obtaining wealth even to the detriment of an entire planet yes. right so at the same time you're absolutely right how much do actors get paid to be in these hollywood films that have these like million and billion dollar budgets they're each getting paid several million I assume and so it is you're right whatever configuration of kitchen appliances you (laughs) said it is like that because it is um it's unclear where the critique ends I guess because it's kind of like Well, you can say that these things are the fault of gritty people or the fault of capitalism. But are you willing to not get, say, a Birkin bag for however much money? Are you willing to not wear like a $12,000 designer dress to the Oscars? You know what I mean? So to what extent are you actually willing to give up wealth? Is my question to Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> Who's very concerned about the environment And needs to be said <laughs> Yeah
2: I think it's It's interesting because even within the film There are lines When when we see Leonardo DiCaprio So in in the film uh, Some of what we glossed over In the summary right oh. Is the ascension from uh, Leo's character And uh, so let me try to, to their character names uh, Professor Mindy And Kate DiBiasky, the professor and grad student, uh, they kind of ascend from being everyday citizens to being public figures because of this discovery that Kate has made. Mm -hmm. And the first point in which I'm like, I don't even remotely root for Mindy is when he starts allowing people to gesture to him as the discoverer yeah and he he allows that to happen basically from the first interview
1: he does because even on the phone they say and professor mindy you're the one and when i say on the phone i mean when he's on the phone with oglethorpe and the head of nasa yes they say and you're the one who discovered it the professor and he says yes well no and then like clarifies afterwards yes but he pretty much says yes from the beginning because he does take credit for teaching kate how to do what she did that allowed her to discover the comet yes um and he doesn't
2: bring her along like as she becomes uh difficult mm -hmm. if i.e kate starts to realize the bullshit of this whole like media cycle that they've become sucked into and how it's not actually going to allow them to curry any uh, support from the public, any understanding with the public about what's happening. Yes. That they're kind of just like a, a cute story to be kind of cycled in at the end of this very upbeat show. Oh, um, the
1: morning the morning show. The morning
2: show that becomes like a staple of the movie uh, led by Tyler Perry. Ah! And, and Kate Blanchett! Kate Blanchett being so deeply unsettling.
1: The two of them together was also like an unsettlingly accurate portrait of America to me, too. Yeah. Like, the white woman who's, like, comfortable enough with black men to be, like, buddy and jovial with them and also has a very, like, coiffed hairstyle and also is, like, repressing a lot of deep desires down, down beneath her, like, ice-cold porcelain exterior. (laughs) And then, like, Tyler Perry's character who is, like, obviously a very, like, entertainer of a black middle-aged man right he is like all about jokes and joviality and we don't know him outside of his television persona we do meet Kate Blanchett's character outside of her Mm -hmm. TV persona but um, not so much with Tyler Perry's character Um, what are their names on the show it's like I did not catch that one. I know it's weird because they repeat it multiple times because it's the name of the show. Yeah,
2: they're constantly <laughs> addressing each other too in that like weird passive aggressive like I'm being jovial but I don't like you. Yeah, um, kind of way. But it just a lot was <laughs> happening in that movie. So anyway, yeah. Uh, on the show, uh, it's very clear that they're not gonna get this information out in a way that Kate feels like is going to actually get make it clear to people and they're kind of glossing over it. So Kate kind of gets upset and like gets angry and gets loud with people. Mm
1: -hmm. I actually love that line. I love it. When she's like, maybe the end of the world shouldn't be fun and funny and like all of these things. She's like, maybe we don't need to feel light about this. Maybe we actually. And if you replace like the end of the world with like, Racism or police brutality or capitalism or coronavirus like that was very satisfying to me her like yelling like maybe we're not supposed to be able to make light of something that is a really heavy issue And I and that but that was also one
2: of those moments for me in the movie where I'm like well dark comedic film what are we doing then
1: for real like how <laughs>
2: like what wait wait it was like okay great monologue yeah Law really killed that she did but and we also have jonah hill like genuinely laughing at people who are being earnestly afraid about about the end of the world and to me like that's not a funny moment because i'm like those people are real
0: those people I... are real That
2: when you get passionate about like justice of any kind ooh. And they just kind of laugh at you for being earnest and giving a fuck. I'm like, that's not a funny character to me.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's like it's almost like wherever because I really feel that because I feel like viscerally twisted apart in all of the 12 times that I've seen this film. Every time Jason, Jonah Hill's character, there it is says what are you doing? You're breathing all heavy when like Dr. Mindy is like freaking out about the fact that like they've just told them that there is a meteor headed towards Earth that is literally inevitably like 100 percent with all of the math that they've done objectively, whatever, yada yada science um, that, that that is going to impact Earth and that it is big enough It is multiple kilometers wide and It will literally end all life on planet Earth. And the president has heard this, absorbed this. Members of her staff have heard this and absorbed this and are still looking for a loophole. They're also still looking for a PR angle, which I do think is kind of a like a lovely uh, satire about like how capitalism becomes the bottom line, like before all other even sensible ways to save people's lives but it does break my heart every time that jonah hill like makes fun of their like anxiety about this very real event and it feels also very ableist too yes. because it's like dr mindy clearly is a neurodivergent person i wouldn't be surprised if Kate Diviaski is as well, but she's definitely referred to as mentally ill throughout the yes. film by multiple people. Yes. And so it it does it feels a little bit like someone who has not necessarily been bullied using bullying as like a satire. Device in in film Right like if you're just like a Bystander like someone who Didn't necessarily do the bullying but you Also weren't a target of it You know so I Agree that it doesn't feel As funny to me <laughs> <And> like,
2: is, <laughs> is it satire That they would turn it for profit or is it just a, a direct mirror like
1: is it Just how how Something like this could possibly Really get
2: dealt with
1: I mean, I would say that is actually how absurd our society and capitalism has gotten, because I don't think anyone expected four years prior to 2016 that we were going to, as a country, elect like a game show president Uh, I don't think anyone thought that who knew as little about business as he did about politics. Yes. You know, like I, I didn't think that. And yet during a very short period of time, he got enough people to be excited about who he was and what he said. And so to me, I kind of think that like the only appropriate response to any of this is what is usually called satire but could also just be called journalism <laughs> because it's just like I reflecting think, what is happening and what is happening is absurd
2: i think that was what i was struggling with is like reality has become so absurd that like you know people as trump was getting elected idiocracy was something that got brought up a mm. lot it was people being like well we're just living in idiocracy like terry cruz is playing a very trump-esque kind of president mm-hmm. who only like has all these weird like uh product obsessions that he like makes everyone in america like use and like shit like that Oof. so it's like the satire is like uh less far from reality mm. you know like the things that are like satire and film are just less far from from reality so it, I don't know how that affected me. I don't I still can't quite put my finger on what it what didn't hit for me. But yeah. I love other movies that are like it. So I'm like,
1: I don't know. If you were to evaluate like your mixed feelings, yeah. what did you like about it and yeah. what did you not like about it? I if thought, you're holding them in your hands. Yeah, if I'm holding them in my hands. Uh,
2: <laughs> I liked that it really hit the way that people try and cope. Um And the kind of rhythms of society that don't yield to like new information or find it hard to. Mm-hmm. I think it reflected that really well. I think it reflected the ways that social media uh, kind of creates these like conversations at such a rapid pace. Yeah. I loved the editing. I thought the editing was really, really good um, and it helps really support the the specific odd tone of the comedy yeah for sure uh, um yeah those are my favorite parts and then the things that i that i think i liked the least were yeah some of the aspects of like people of a very similar class kind of nitpicking at one another so there were subtleties that i felt like didn't read for me mm. or warner as effective um things like the jennifer lawrence like even when they were making really good points it was like yeah, okay, you can say we shouldn't laugh about it, but this already this movie's already been making jokes. Right. You're not making a serious movie about mm-hmm. the end of the world and climate change mm-hmm. as a climate change allegory, which yeah. you could. Right. Um, but if you want to make a dark comedy, then like maybe you need to be okay with a modicum of laughing about it. Yeah. Um, but as just a vehicle, and it kind of happened in such a parallel way, when then later, Leo had his breakdown on the same show, yes, in almost the exact same way, and it just made me like that character. Leonardo Capra's character is like although another least
1: favorite part. Um, He's a terrible. I really hate him as well, yeah. and I I mean I find a little bit of how he plays him. To be kind of endearing, like there's some endearing aspects to me, mostly just because there's something about that voice that he's doing that reminds me of his voice as Artie in What's Eating Gilbert oh Grape. To circle this is back, like
2: second Leonardo DiCaprio film. Okay. I know, which
1: and I chose that one too, so it seems like I've. Got some kind of thing to say about Leo DiCaprio which I don't really I was really obsessed with him as a child Like a young child but um, At this point I think he's in some good movies And some terrible movies and I think he's a good actor but Anyway it's not centered around him for me But his voice Really does remind me Of Artie there's even some Moments where he's making a Point that reminds me Of how Artie would like Make a statement, and for me, the connection between those things is that those are both neurodivergent characters. Yeah, totally. So to posit a theory, okay, I almost feel you. like this voice that people are concerned that he is doing because you did bring that up as yeah. like, what is this voice? That is like his mentally disabled person voice. I I think you're right. That is my hypothesis.
2: I think, and I think <laughs> if he's not framing it like that, it still might be framed as like a midwestern nerd. Right, which is yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. with which, autism. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah. I think you're right. I just think that he the character of Mindy really just abandons his two sons and wife and the film kind of glosses over it until like the end. <sighs>
1: I know when
2: Melanie Linsky finally shows up and you know have me
1: some Melanie Linsky and having
2: just watched fucking Yellow Jackets she (laughs) shows up mad and you're
1: like bitch she's gonna kill you yes don't let her get a shovel don't let her get a shovel Listen, she's she's gonna take you out she's like I know how to skin you and make use of all of your parts yes it's the feeling I get from her now you know it doesn't matter what role she's doing she now has that feeling to me so that that felt that was fun Um, she did kill her own mom in heaven Heavenly creatures with Kate Winslet back it's in true. the day, so she has multiple murdery roles,
2: and both she and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio have been lovers of Kate Winslet
1: on film. Oh my god, um, I love the connections. That's so beautiful. It's like our own like <laughs> queer polyamorous subplot underneath. I, I love it. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, so the Leo starts fucking Kate Blanchett weird pairing super weird she's like lusting after him and then just literally jumps on him in a hallway and surprise kisses him in a way where i kind of turned to my partner jasper and i was like did 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 i miss the scene did did they hook up before this and and they were like no (laughs) this is this is the first time i hated that he that he just got to cheat as he ascended to being a famous person and we just kind of Dropped his family. And I think my irritation with the writing was that we stopped following Kate as much. We stopped following Oglethorpe as much.
1: Who plays him?
2: Who? Oglethorpe?
1: Yeah. Hold on. I just wanted to get his name so I could have his actor name in the rotation. And a siren.
2: Rob Morgan plays Dr. Teddy Oglethorpe
1: okay rob
2: morgan so yeah so we stopped following rob morgan and i was just like okay so we've we've now dropped off of what was a a cast of like a white guy a white woman a black man scientist trio loving this we drop off it to just follow the affairs (laughs) of this like terrible white man who's like ignoring his family for the sake of this like vapid woman who they ha- shared nothing in common, but their, like, thirst for uh, sex in hotels and nice dinners.
1: And, like, notoriety, yes, I guess. Like, I, guess. I think, like, because obviously she's like, an anchor woman, a t- TV personality. She also grew up with money and and had certain expectations of her from her family and kind of escaped those expectations by excelling in an academic sense. So she, like went to a bunch of different Ivy League schools and got a bunch of advanced degrees and was able to be like independent from her familial expectations by doing that. Whereas like Mindy comes from like a rural working class family background and is kind of still doing that as a professor. He just now has also been skyrocketed to fame as the person who... Not discovered the comet, but the person who was the teacher of the person who discovered the comet and who happened to be more palatable on TV because... Which I think is stupid because you put Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio side by side and it's like, Jennifer Lawrence is fucking gorgeous. Why did, wouldn't they also tell her that she had good bone structure? Whatever. But the fact that she was a woman expressing emotions made her hysterical and gross and unrelatable and unlikable. Yes. And he was able to supposedly get the message across and he does what so many white men before him have done and he just drops off the face of the earth. He just loses all of his prior friends and associates and his family in order to supposedly support the public and his fandom or whatever. Yeah. And yet he is like, Willingly misinforming them By repeating the junk science That the government wants him to put forward
2: And it takes Basically the entirety of the five or six months Of the comet approaching Before he stops acting that way Mm -hmm. And so we just spend so much time Watching him be Horrible and just forsake like ideal after ideal in terms of how he's interacting as a scientist in a public position.
1: Yeah. And he gets called out by all of the people that we've come to love up to this point. Right. So like Kate DiBiaski, J-Law and uh, Teddy. I just remembered he goes by Teddy Oglethorpe, um, Rob Morgan like both of them have called him out and been like, all you need to do is just decide to tell the truth like that's all you need to do, because literally they have been targeted for the yes. same like breach of security that he has, except they are a white woman and a black man, which means that they are treated very differently right. than Dr. Mindy is. And Dr. Mindy's like kind of fine with that. Yes. Yes he
2: kind of doesn't question it is totally fine with it and loses nothing in the end
1: i know actually yeah that's so right that makes me feel like like i i felt like a splash of anger like the feeling of like dropping backwards into a body of water like i just yeah i was very mad that like The world is going to end, okay? Spoiler, at the end of this movie, the world is imminently ending in the sense that all life is going to be wiped out by this comet. And it's literally impacting the Earth as this group of folks is having a kind of, like, friendsgiving of of sorts around the table. A very
2: waspy, Mm -hmm.
1: stilted friendsgiving. Plus Rob Morgan. (laughs) Which was like, we're meant to assume that he doesn't have a family or something. Okay, so that's where I started
2: to get irritated. <laughs> he just shows up. He doesn't knock. He just walks through a door magically. <laughs> and I was like, don't turn him into the fucking magical Negro. At I mean, the end he, of was, this movie. Though,
1: literally, he was though, literally. He was. He was. He was the only one who was willing to demonstrate. Okay. He was the only person willing to actually protest. Both Kate and uh, Dr. Mindy both, yeah. like, signed away their rights yep. to protest. And he didn't, like, for whatever reason. Also, I do love, like. And it's like a throwaway scene. Yeah. It's like a little
2: scene you cut through real quick where they show him protesting. And I was like, wait a second. So there's some whole underground that he's been part of and we don't see any I that. want that movie. Genuinely. I'd rather see that than Kate Blanchett as like a weird anchor woman who like making out with <laughs> I know. Sad Dad Leo. Like it's my not God. wow. Yep. It's not it. So those are those are some of my irritations. In in my dream version of this film. We wouldn't even know about. Leonardo DiCaprio's cheating. We just we just wouldn't go there. Instead, we would be following what happens to Kate that leads her to being a rest a cashier at a a pff, I keep saying restaurant instead of grocery store. Yeah, As, like
1: a Walmart esque. Yeah,
2: checkout counter mm-hmm. worker, um, where she meets Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. Yes, and. Yeah, the scene that we just fly past of Oglethorpe like leading a protest and getting arrested. Like, what has he been doing? I want much, much more footage of all of that. So, I mean, you said you have critiques of this film also. Yeah. So, in your ideal version of this film, what are we seeing more of? What are we seeing less of?
1: Okay. I would definitely say that, like, I did really like the. Scenes of Peter Isherwell The uh who's played By oh yeah we're Getting into the yeah m- character plot Mark Are you gonna guess Mark McKay I might Just be saying oh, McKay that... because of Adam McKay But yeah, it's Mark say. something
2: It is Mark Rylance
1: Mark Rylance Okay plays um Peter Isherwell who Is the like Elon Musk Zuckerberg Bezos Mr. Rogers scary Character Um, And I do really Love the scene where he's like Presenting his product to people And there's all these Kids who are really obsessed with Like his brand and his persona Which is a little bit the Mr. Rogers element But he like does not give a shit about them and is not compassionate or kind towards them. I like I didn't want more of him. I felt like that was a great scene. I didn't need him as often as we showed him. Okay, so you would have a little less of him. I would have a little less of him. I think that that one speech was like the perfect amount. I do understand though that he was like a driving a driving villain in a way in this yeah. film. But I would say that like there was too much of all of the kind of like characters that I consider traitors because (laughs) like a little bit Dr. Mindy loved being. Like pampered and yeah getting this special treatment and getting White House clearance and getting to be on this yeah. like morning show all the time right yeah so it's like I would have loved a little less of him a little less of Kate Blanchett a little less of Meryl Streep Um, I actually wanted a little more Jonah Hill mostly because Why? I because I love him. <laughs> Ugh. You know, um I I feel what like would he have I been understand. Doing? I understand. Yeah. Wait, wait,
2: wait. What would he have been doing? What in terms of saying you want more Jonah Hill? Like he was already doing so little in the scenes <laughs> he was in. So tell me, what what would what was his plot that you wanted to see?
1: Honestly, I actually just I Maybe it's the perfect amount I like his little weird Mean rambly speeches that he Gives like the one where he's Like I've been hearing a lot of People put out prayers For people and that's super great I hated this Put out a prayer for stuff
2: (laughs) I hated that so much It
1: was so funny to me (laughs)
2: It just it just was too real to me. I
1: know, yeah. It's also really real.
2: I was like, that person is real. I and know. I'm not laughing.
1: <laughs> okay, well, legit, I did think he was super funny. Fair. Um and I love Jonah Hill. Um I Yeah, I generally in the same vein as you would want More of the characters that were being slighted It felt like it was trying to make a point a little bit About elements of racism, sexism, and classism, right? And yet it still privileged with screen time The people who were already benefiting From racism, sexism, and classism And so it kind of defeats its own point in bit. that way. Yeah. Um so I I agree about that and I would say that that's what I would want less of. I would definitely want more of this planet with the Bronte rock. I was really I, I like the idea of there being like a time card in a film that's like 5 million years later. I like that. how long it was that they're all on those like It was like 2,000 years cryogenic pods orbiting space, trying to find a habitable Earth-like planet. I, I did enjoy that and would have been fine to see more of their adventures on the Seuss-like planet that they landed on. However, I would have loved if there had been, to name a theme, more people of color On that airship however it was Potentially really realistic That it was all these Like stupid white butts With (laughs) stupid tramp stamps Getting their heads bitten off By space birds because They don't have the common sense To not just like approach A wild animal that you don't know anything About
2: (laughs) This is not a petting Zoom will,
1: I will say that something I love 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 is uh, J Law and Timothy Chalamet together? I bet you do. Well, okay. First of all, I want to get into that throuble. Second no. of all, Second of all. No, you can't know in the middle of my <laughs> naming okay, okay, my I'll pleasures stop. and dreams. I'll stop. I'll okay. Stop. Go for it. I don't yuck your yuck. <laughs> I mean sometimes, but go, go. I know, but I still am proud of everything that you love and everything <laughs> that you are. This is where I, I do my my gushy I love you <laughs> moments. <laughs> and I accept you in all ways. Anyway, um No, yeah, I mean at first I thought it was like a weird pairing Because it is weird Um, But I do think that a lot of their interactions are very sweet And for like an end of the world relationship It was legit She was like, yes, of course I'll be engaged to you Because we're going to die in a week That was like, yeah, cool (laughs) I did love that That made me sad Really? Yes Oh, tell oh my god. That moment
2: made me so depressed.
1: Cause it was just like their whole relationship?
2: Not their whole relationship, but it felt like with the fear of the imminent death. She just kind of laughed and said, Yeah. And I was like Well she has no hope. Oh. It made me so sad.
1: Oh my god oh that's so intense that is definitely like absolutely communicated by that in the same breath
2: yeah she does a great job of like showing all the layers of that moment yeah
1: Who? i mean what i thought was sweet because i mean i think we both believe in the not the metaverse uh falsely owned by mark zuckerberg but the (laughs) actual metaverse and the multiverse and i think that what i found comforting about Mm -hmm. that is that you can make like such a strong commitment and choice yeah and then be like literally about to skyrocket out of your body and like join another celestial being in a different plane you know what i mean so from that perspective i felt like oh cool it's like yeah, we're engaged, then we're going to die, then we're going to become different beings, then we're going to do something different probably. Like, <laughs> I was into that yeah, thinking fair. of it that way. <laughs> yeah,
2: fair. I think I just found uh Timothy Chalamet in this form genuinely repulsive.
1: That's hilarious because Timothy Chalamet's character was actually All of my ex-girlfriends rolled into one character was You told me that before I (laughs) saw
2: the movie. That's one of the ways you describe this film.
1: It was like, but it yeah, and it is true. And I am I'm so sorry and I hope it doesn't make you look at me in a different way, but it's like it's the kind of thing that has like been a part of my past, but also will be a part of my future. Because it is just it's just a weird kind of person that I'm attracted to, and that person is Timothy Chalamet and all of the roles that he plays. <laughs> like- I,
2: I know that's about you. <laughs> I do. Not new information. I know, I but promise. it's new
1: information for our podcast. Oh well
2: <laughs> Welcome to knowing uh <laughs> dynamic of Neve and I. <laughs> They love a Timothy Chalamet type, and I want to kick him away. I
1: know, but wouldn't that dynamic be really funny if there was an actual Timothy Chalamet type present? Like that would be super <laughs> dynamic to act out. Like me saying, "Like come here," and you being like, away. "Back up, back up." <laughs>
2: You're like waving the floor. I'm like <laughs> stabbing the back of my stick. Like absolutely, that is how it is sometimes. <laughs> oh. As we sit and have drink with
1: people, it's so real. Yes, yes, that has happened with actual human strangers. It has. has. Oh god, I love you oh, very you. much. I love you more than <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Oh my god, I'm honored. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs>
1: It's really true oh Who um, Touched uh, Timothy Chalamet's character was named Yule I also want to point <laughs> out Which was just like to me Like the most perfect Combination of things for like A he is a Christian mm-hmm. crust punk mm-hmm. Like Towny Wastoid vibes and I'm saying all of the like oogle I'm saying all of those things with love and familiarity to be clear (laughs) um with a a terrible wig except that I don't it's not a wig what was it
2: it's his hair
1: his real hair that's
2: his quarantine grow out
1: there wasn't any weave in that no because
2: okay so the filming was was pushed back because of covid and so as they were like meeting to get things reestablished, he had
1: let his hair just fucking go. Okay, I take it back. I love it. I love your hair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> ah, you're trash.
1: I love you. Okay. I
2: can't. I'm crying. Okay, hold up. All right. So just naming off some other characters we haven't talked about yet. Yes. We got Ron Perlman playing Benedict Drask.
1: She Aka so intense <laughs> and also very well played by Ron. Oh Perlman. God, <laughs> I
2: love Ron. Listen, you know who I have a boner for, Ron Perlman. Are you fucking? I'm not kidding? fucking kidding. Oh my
1: God,
2: I've had a boner for Ron Perlman for you. a minute. Oh man, for a minute.
1: Really cool and alarming, and <laughs> I like it. That's great.
2: Listen, he played Hellboy, and I've been hard for him ever since. That
1: makes sense, man. I know. haven't.
2: That's another one I haven't seen. Whoa. Listen, in terms of movies with creatures in it, you're going to fucking love Hellboy. I know I love. I'm not going to lie. I'm stoked. Um, I haven't watched the most recent one. They made another one with a not-run-Pearlman Hellboy, and I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, we got Ariana Grande.
1: Oh my god, yes.
2: Playing Riley Bina. Yes. Who is on the talk show on the first time they show up, but she is really excited about Saving the Manatees. Yes. (laughs) She pops back up about six more times than you would expect, uh, including a full song act with Kid Cudi. Yo, listen. Who who plays her
1: fiancé, DJ Cello. Okay. DJ Cello, hilarious name. Also just want to say real quick that this is what would have been a great example of a brown person actually getting a lot of airtime if Ariana Grande was brown, bitch. So it's like I'm excited that this like random femme r and star is like getting this airtime in this film. And then at the same time, she's someone who has capitalized on looking brown via tanning. And via via being, you know, an ethnicity of person that was not white at one time. But they sure is now. I'm talking about Italians. So she is just another white person who still gets to kind of like tout her story more so than say her ex turned fiance, Kid Cudi, a.k.a. DJ Cello.
2: DJ Cello. When she calls
1: him Chell, I fall out of my seat. (laughs) I don't know why, but just her like Chell. She's like, oh my God, Chell. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: And then we have Himish Patel. Okay. Who plays Philip, which is J-Law's boyfriend at the beginning of the film.
1: Yes. um, Who's a journalist. Yes.
2: Who then writes about her in like clickbaity ways. um, And that's the end of their relationship. And he kind of skyrockets to fame as she falls from grace.
1: Yes. This is after... Kate and Dr. Mindy have been on this morning show um, with Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry. And um, her boyfriend, Kate's boyfriend, is a journalist who I think wants to be deep, but really isn't um, in a lot of ways. Um, and so he writes at least an ableist title for an article, which is you know, that crazy lady that thinks we're all going to die. Referencing Kate Dibiaski's outburst on the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He's like, I actually slept with her. And that's how he lets her know that he's breaking up with her, which I feel like is yet another example of this film deciding, oh, this person should be played by a person of color. Let's make them vapid and like... Really self oriented And like Not serving the truth Right and I don't know I just feel like that is a theme With much of the people of color in this show Well Movie
2: Yeah we've kind of went through the main chunk of the cast The only kind of big speaking character That I feel like we missed is Melanie Linsky Melanie Linsky And the head
1: of NASA Head of NASA Yeah Hetzian Park. Yeah, she is. I was gonna say she's Asian or Pacific Islander American looking. Yeah. Um, and something that is really interesting to me about her character is that she's one of the first people to kind of shoot down the concern that Kate and Dr. Mindy and Doctor. Doctor Oglethorpe have about this comet she says like let's not get dramatic let's not get drastic whatever like let's evaluate it we later learn that she is in the pocket of the president right she calls her Janie, which is a a signifier of being in in the inner circle right Right. because peter isherwell the creep also calls her Janie, and in fact like is able to yell Janie in a demanding way and get her attention but i feel like dr calder you said i think so yeah her character has to resign in disgrace from nasa as a way to clean up the lackluster response that the white house had to this threat of the comet she's like obviously someone's gonna have to take the fall for this Mm -hmm. dr calder you understand and she's like of course janie I'll do that. And it almost felt also, she hinted that she had dated Ron Perlman's character, yeah. who, like, is clearly very racist as yes. he's, like, going into space on this intercom. So there's just a lot of weird stuff of, like, people of color being kind of throwaway characters and also working against their own interests. Yes. While also being self centered and untrustworthy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so we've got Dr. Calder,
2: we've got Dr. Oglethorpe, we've got uh, Philip, the boyfriend.
1: I mean, that feels like most of the and people. And DJ Cello. And Tyler Perry. And
2: Tyler Perry. Yep, those are the two.
1: Yep. Okay, well, I would definitely Jack say... Jack
2: Bremmer is Tyler Perry's character's name.
1: Jack. Jack and... Ooh. Jack and... Oh, my God.
2: Bree. Yeah, Brie
1: Is that supposed to be funny? Because those are both kinds of cheeses and guess. they're cheesy I and guess. they like fun and jokes. I that only just occurred to me. <laughs> I guess that's the, that's that's a little bit of white people humor. I feel like <laughs> yes, there is a little bit of this kind of like old timey cheese and making fun of old timey cheese that is. Present in this film I think yes I agree Um, Because there is that retro feel Right like even the soundtrack Which I actually like in many moments The like Jazzy drama Kind of soundtrack
2: I I think a 60s comedy of errors uh, Is Really referenced in the editing In the Mm -hmm. soundtrack In the pacing Yeah Um, is, this is what this feels like. But that's part of what I don't enjoy, I think. It's because mm-hmm. I don't love a comedy of errors.
1: <laughs>
2: that like farce of social norms, like that stuff doesn't hit for me.
1: Do you feel like that is like the definition of a comedy of errors? Or do you feel like there are other kinds or other genres of comedy of errors?
2: I mean, definitely. It's just, but I think it's about. Comedy of errors means you're you're still erring within some set of norms. And you're like fucking up with what is expected.
1: So that's the comedy of errors. Okay, so it's like a comedy of faux pas. Exactly. Okay, that makes more sense to me if I think of it in terms of like faux pas as in what is... Out of step with society, yeah. societal expectations. Okay, yeah, yeah I definitely so like feel like it's Jones like that.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like a very modern one where she's always like, "Oh, I'm saying the wrong thing and I'm wearing the wrong thing," and that's so much of the humor, which I find tiring.
1: Yeah, like I'm smoking a cigarette while I'm vacuuming. I don't know how to shave my legs. I am like singing badly while i'm drinking a bottle of white wine alone like yeah for sure these things that are just like what a messy woman yeah <laughs> how will she ever find a husband <laughs> exactly but what's interesting about that too is that a lot i i feel like there is the genre say like in uh mm, wild right like oscar wilde definitely takes the comedy of errors Idea And makes fun of The expectations of society Themselves Which I feel like this movie is trying to do But it doesn't fully accomplish it In that it doesn't Imagine an alternative
2: I agree
1: It doesn't know how to feature The lives of say Kate or Dr. Oglethorpe or Philip the boyfriend Or even the like Anesthesiologist who's now the head of NASA That's an interesting trajectory Like how did she get there You
2: know And the idea that Oglethorpe has no family Really bothered me in the end Me too It was like the push to make sure It wasn't an all white table He was also like the one person of color Who has integrity Right Consistently in the movie So why wouldn't he be with the protesters He was like Arrested with and organizing With like why would he be with them
1: Right why would his only Choice be to Dine with the family Of the man who basically like Turned his back on him Right during the height Of what they were trying to do Right it doesn't make sense Like it
2: made a little more sense That Mindy would seek out Kate and like want to try and reconcile And Kate would seek out and welcome that from mindy yeah but yeah that that was when i was like oh this film doesn't it knows that it should yeah but it doesn't know how to actually feature like a black character who is in a underground working like rebellion focused position in this world that it's the movie is trying to say is fucked up well it's like you can acknowledge that people alive would be trying to fight it but you can't as the writer imagine what they could be doing
1: yeah that's so yeah that's interesting i definitely see that too it's also interesting because doctor Doctor or oglethorpe is a part of this like Government organization like NASA you know Mm -hmm. he's the head of Planetary defense which means That he's technically At least related somehow to Homeland security right Right. So that's the wildest Thing to me is that like Even on top of that he was The only one willing To do like protests that he Could get arrested for Yes and I did love his speech The first time that we see him arrested Where he's like don't worry. He's like, don't shoot just because I have a darker pigmentation than I you. I
2: screamed. Yeah. I was like, that that felt super neurodivergent to me. Where I he's loved just that. like, please don't be startled. My <laughs> ances- your ancestors migrated to Europe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like so funny. And he's like, funny. and got lighter pigmentation, whereas my ancestors, like I was like, yes, that is. Factual and like probably people would be blindsided by someone just like taking to this very historical and scientific speech in the middle of being arrested. <laughs> He's like not saying anything inflammatory. No. He just begins this very well rehearsed statement scientific I, I loved description.
2: That. It was very funny. <laughs> um
1: so yeah, I I yeah, those are my feelings
2: about that movie. I guess we are to ratings, ooh, yeah. Do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. One through seven. How? What are we rating it with? <laughs> oh, oh
1: my god. Yeah. What's the element? Um. I mean, comets. Comets is obvious. exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. Yes, comets. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to just say really quick that I piggyback. I agree about the editing. I did really like that. Something I wanted more of. Were those lapses where we see things around the world I love that The moments when we see like the hippos Making sounds We see people praying in an ashram We see um, people eating dinner We just see people all over the world And it gives it this very global feel That I don't feel like was actually mixed in
0: mm-hmm.
1: To the whole film And mm-hmm. would have been really beautiful if it had been Like there's ways I could imagine them tying in The last image that you see in this montage of global images To an image that is in the next scene right It could have been tied together by similar characters That you see like oh we're gonna see an ashram Then maybe we actually like Focus on an Indian person rather than making them like a throwaway character, right? Yeah. Um. So that was something where, and it that was the most heartbreaking parts to me too, is seeing the the freaking otters rolling yeah. around at like the end of the world. I was like, oh, I don't like it. I don't. <laughs> Who like? Yeah. That, I
2: <laughs> that definitely succeeded in, in making me feel emotional about the idea of like being part of a global community and all these things and all these you know the way that i feel about the planet um so i think those that's what i love about the editing i think those moments made that really poignant to be like even with all this absurdity they're still just one part of this huge thing that's bigger than all of them
1: yeah and i like i don't know maybe that the combination of like The elements that were good and successful just were really striking to me because I can't shake the overall feeling of like I love this movie and Mm. I. it does feel very poignant to me. It makes me cry every time. I love the like slow-mo standstill of like the last scene with like the comet is literally crashing into earth and we're seeing everybody really slow as things are that reminded me a little bit of melancholia yeah that of the like kind of end of the world feeling or like planetary event right that's also a meteor that must be referential anyway it felt like that with the freeze frame if i were to rate this film out of seven comets (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is funny because I recently Learned the polyamory term comet And I won't say Anything about that but I think It's funny Um, So I would give it A four out of seven Comets in terms of Like movie making and storytelling There were enough elements that I would say needed to be Further developed um, In order for me to like have the really uh multi-dimensional feeling of being satisfied i will say though in an alternate universe since we're talking about planets and (laughs) the universes um in an alternate universe i give it a seven out of seven for enjoyment okay like i enjoy it as a person and so i give it a high score but in terms of like a seeking to be objective not really objective but like how it does in representing All people that I care about yeah. And fulfilling Its own mission or telling its own story I give yeah. it a 4 out of 7 So,
2: I agree I think it's the first time having the same <clears throat> Rating Whoa. I also give it a 4 out of 7 Yeah it made me laugh At points I think it, it Did a good job trying to Show uh, Denial And Uh, fear and all these kind of uh, less valiant emotions and emotional responses to the idea of death and society ending and the world ending. Um, I think that it didn't do a great job at actually distancing itself from the kind of bourgeois class that it was trying to, to critique. I agree um I think we definitely talked about how I could have stepped out of that a little more just by following some of the characters that fell out <laughs> of that class of that level of social clout that they all kind of
1: hit within the first five minutes of the film the ones that didn't get security clearance the ones that didn't get <laughs> right exactly <laughs>
2: that didn't get invited to the White House it's like we just didn't follows characters anymore so i can't really give it a, like a five or a six um because i think that would have made me actually enjoy it way more um and would have rounded out the world that we were we were living in mm. um but i do think it did a good job at and yeah answering some of the of its own questions and i love any movie that commits to the world ending um <laughs> in it i think that 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 is scary and impactful and for a movie that's so full of like mainstream actors um a fucking netflix movie yeah uh to tackle this kind of subject and with this kind of dark edge and kind of gleam in its eye i appreciate it for what it is Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i feel that i feel that i think it is it's cool that it is such a strong critique of things that are going on. And yeah, I. The
2: full world. Yeah. I'm actually great. I feel great that I missed the uh, final <laughs> scene now that I think about it. But so just, you know, that that was just more Jonah Hill yeah, from what I'm hearing. You
1: didn't need more Jonah Hill. No. I did. And so I stayed for it. Yeah. And it's what that. Is great.
2: <laughs> okay, before we wrap, let's talk about you want to talk about what it got nominated for. Yes. So it is nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Wow. It is nominated for an Academy Award for Original Screen <coughs> Original Screenplay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It is nominated for an Academy Award for Original Score is also nominated for an academy award for best film editing
1: okay well in terms of score and film editing i definitely think i don't know how it ranks against other films of 2021 but i definitely felt like those were strong features yeah definitely i also feel like the academy awards often just nominate whatever very white star-studded cast was in a big movie that year with a
2: serious topic so i think this is arguably a very much an oscar baity kind of film right um in that it's you know it's got meryl it's got leo it's got Kate blanchett like we are talking three people that have gotten been are winners i think of academy awards there are a bunch of uh uh, timmy Chalmers is a nominee jennifer lawrence is a nominee so it's like we've got a lot of folks that are already in with that uh, voting body
1: this era's version of
2: the a-listers yeah of, absolutely yeah already all over it so critics choice awards uh it is nominated for best comedy um and best acting ensemble hmm. mm-hmm. and best award uh best picture and then for the SAG Awards, Outstanding Performance, basically for the whole ensemble. (laughs) It's like a few dozen. Golden Globes, it's got Best Actor, Best Actress for Leo and Mm. J-Law. Best Soundtrack, Golden Globe. Best Screenplay,
1: Golden Globe. It's
2: all over the place.
1: It's like... It's. I don't feel bitter about people being talented and that talent getting recognized, and I don't, like, I don't begrudge any of those nominations. I just think about how shocking it is to us when a film full of all-black actors such as Moonlight actually wins Best Picture, right? Mm -hmm. Or Best Screenplay or any of that. Whereas something like La La Land... Yep. Can like majorly sweep And almost sweep an award it didn't get You know so it's just like Well of course this is the film that had All of the big A-list white stars In it so it's the yep. one that's gonna Sweep the awards Yep, <laughs> He's got all the A-listers talking about a serious Thing Which is on point A part of the culture that they are Trying to critique right? Which is the one that is like so absurd That people like are like like uh, Jonah Hill's character saying that he wrote that And they're like wasn't that a part of
2: From another movie Yeah
1: like what was like Apollo 13 or some, <laughs> something Armageddon I don't know It was something like related to going into space And Jason was like I wrote that And it's from a blockbuster film so Yeah, yeah just to, to <laughs> wrap it up and round
2: out There are headlines saying things like don't Look Up silences all the haters by getting Oscar noms. And it it's just playing into the weird hype game that the movie makes fun of. So,
1: yeah, it's interesting, which I'm like, I don't know. I think I could get lost in the metaverse thinking about it. I'm like, is that intentional? I've definitely gone down that rabbit hole with Lana Del Rey where I'm like, are you critiquing what you're critiquing, what you're doing? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's
2: not that deep. Sometimes it's not that deep. Sometimes yeah. people are just, they tried to make a thing and they were just too close to the, the fire they were trying to describe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. So they, they, they did their best to pick apart the politicians, but when you also make a similar amount of money and you're in a similar tax bracket, it's like... Ye-
1: that's so real It's so real You don't even know what the depth of your critique could be Right Um, But I try to deepen it as I watch it (laughs) Woo Don't look up Gonna just add the little tidbit that I Have been working on the Just Look Up song As one of my songs that I'm learning in voice lessons Oh god Why oh no it's so good (laughs) It's terrible What are you talking about I mean it is like generally has an aimless tune and a upsetting rhythm (laughs) but that is sort of what is fun about learning it. It is
2: unsettling to listen to. It is
1: challenging to learn as well and I'm enjoying it. Thank you.
2: All right,
0: See y'all next moon. Thanks to the South Seattle Emerald for their support. Head to SouthSeattleEmerald.com to read Nevae and Syrah's review of this moon's movie. Give us 5 stars and subscribe to New Moon Movie Night on Spotify. Head to anchor.fm slash mouth to leave us a message. Suggest a film, ask a trivia question, let us hear from you. See you next New Moon.